Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. Today we've been really focusing on the resurrection. You can't have the gospel, you can't give a gospel message to someone without telling them the resurrection happened. So let's turn in our Bible to John chapter number 19. We're going to go verse by verse. We're going to glean some truth out of the book of John tonight. We're going to start at verse number 38. John chapter 19, verse number 38. The Bible says, and after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came therefore and took the body of Jesus. Fear of the Jews. There's some actions in John that are motivated by fear. So let's go to John chapter number seven. We'll go through these quickly. Actions in John that are motivated by fear. John chapter 7, verse number 13. Howbeit, no man spake openly of him, that's Jesus Christ, for fear of the Jews. Scary stuff, I guess. Fear of the Jews. They don't want to speak openly about Jesus. John chapter 12. Just running some verses in John of actions motivated by fear. John chapter 12, verse number, fear not. Uh, verse number 15, it says, John 12, 15. Fear not, daughter of Sion, behold, the king cometh, sitting on an ass's colt. Fear not. This is Jesus. He's made his triumphant entry. The question is now, has he made the triumphal entry into your heart? <laughs> into your heart. That is the big question. Uh, actions motivated by fear. Let's see. John chapter 19. Uh, I'm sorry. John chapter 20. Verse 19. And after this, oh, I'm sorry, John chapter 20, verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were as assembled for fear of the Jews. The disciples are in that room, fearing the Jews. Came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. We're going to get to that verse tonight, so I'm going to leave it alone. Uh, John chapter 6, let's see what else we've got. What else we can grab? John chapter 6. Actions motivated by fear in the book of John. So, verse 19, John 6, 19. So, when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, 
They see Jesus walking on the sea and draweth nigh unto the ship, and they were afraid. They were afraid. Verse number 20, but he saith unto them, it is I, be not afraid. <laughs> be not afraid. John chapter 14. Just warming up with some verses here. Actions motivated by fear in the book of John chapter 14, verse number 27. Peace, I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. No reason to be afraid if you've got Jesus Christ. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John chapter 19 Verse number 8. Let's back up a bit and let's read verse 6. When the chief priest, John 19, verse number 6. When the chief priests, therefore, an officer saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Got news for you, fellas. He is. Verse 8, When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. And he went again into the judgment hall and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Sometimes the best answer is to just... <laughs> Imagine being Pilate. Oh boy. He was the more afraid. I'd be too. Alright, so that's a, a look at some verses in John about fear. That was verse number 38. Uh, we are in uh, John... Let's get back... Let's get back to verse number 38. We'll move on to verse number 39. We're in John chapter 19, verse number 39. We have something else here. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night. Nicodemus is mentioned three times. Each time it's Nick at night. It always brings up Nicodemus at night. And brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. In John chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, we see Nicodemus meeting Jesus again at night, mentions that, and then he's born again. That's John chapter 3. John chapter 7, let's go over to that. Three times the three appearances of Nicodemus in the book of John. John chapter number 7. And Nicodemus saith unto them, He that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, doth our law judge any man before it hear him and know what he doeth? They answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look. 
For out of Galilee ariseth no prophet, and every man went unto his own house. He speaks openly for Jesus to the Pharisees here in John 7. He's just not really willing to put his neck totally out there. And sometimes we get like that. It's easier to be a Nick at night. We'll just talk about it when no one's around. It's harder to speak openly during the day about Jesus Christ and who he is, isn't it? We got to witness to somebody. We got to talk to somebody. We got to stand up for Jesus. And it's daytime and everybody's watching. And it's harder. It's harder. We've all been, we've all been in situations where we walk away and we say, man, I wish I would have told that person about Jesus more. We've all been there. We just got to search our hearts, try to grab the courage from the Lord to be able to do it. And now here in John chapter 19, verse 39, why would you bring a mixture of myrrh and aloes unless you didn't believe that he would rise again? You need that to preserve a dead body. If you really believe that Jesus Christ is going to rise from the dead like he said he does, you're coming empty-handed. You don't need any aloes. You don't need any myrrh. You don't need any of that because he's going to rise from the dead. If he truly believed that, he would have no need to bring any mixtures for the body. Nicodemus, I believe he was a saved man, and I believe he was doing the best that he knew how to do. And he was showing the best courage that he had and he knew how to use. He wanted to do right. He wanted to speak up for Jesus. But at times he was apprehensive about it, just like at times we're apprehensive about it. Verse number, all right, so where are we at? Verse number 38, 39. Then took the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new sepulcher, wherein was never man yet laid. There's two gardens in John. These gardens, we, we, we read, uh, we've got a garden of victory right now. We read that, in, uh, well, we sang that in Wesley's hymn. The one verse corresponds with 1 Corinthians 15, 55. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? We just sang about that. That's, God kind of puts that stuff together. Nathan and I didn't talk about what hymn to sing, but... Christ agonized unto death and he was betrayed with a kiss in the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew 26, he says, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. He's in that garden suffering and his disciples are sleeping. They took a nap on him. But this garden, that's the garden of victory that we all need because back in the garden when man fell, 
That's what he came to redeem us from, our fallen sinful nature. So we got the Garden of Eden, we got the Garden of Gethsemane, and we got the Garden of Victory. That's Jesus Christ's resurrection. He rose from the dead. What a picture that is to have him laid to rest in a garden. All right, let's go. Verse number 42, they laid, uh, there laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. And now, verse, uh, chapter 20, the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early. I, I read something wrong this morning. I said, Mother Mary, the mother of Jesus, and at, at the, I think it was the, mark, the end of Mark 15, it was Mary, mother of Joseph. So if anybody goes back and listens to that, if you didn't hear the, I read it wrong. You ever read, you read the Bible and you read, you read it, you can't not help but read it wrong sometimes. As much as we try, we want to get every word. You know, it's God's word. You don't want to mess it up. But then you just, you mess it up. Because that's man. Anyway, the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark under the sepulcher and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Verse number two, then she runneth and cometh, and, cometh, and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom loved Jesus and saith unto them, they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher and we know not where they have laid him. If they really had faith that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, they would have no concern about where the body is. But they did have concern with where the body is. Now the they in verse number two refers to the soldiers. They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher. No, they didn't. <laughs> Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Verse number three, Peter therefore went and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher that's John. And so they both ran together and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. Now, how did John outrun Peter? Well, because he was younger and faster and more vibrant and brilliant. <laughs> I don't know why he outran him, but one outran the other. They were, must have been excited to get there. Verse number five, and he, and he stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went not in. Probably out of just humility, probably just out of respect. He just stopped and, and he went not in. That's my opinion on that. Verse number six, Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin, that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Now, what thief or what robber do you know of that would take the time to break in to a tomb or to a house and fold all the clothes really nicely and neatly? That would probably be nobody. No thief would do that. That should be enough evidence for people to know 
that Jesus Christ is a risen Savior. No one stole the body of Jesus. Okay, now... The Shroud of Turin, which is the linen cloth that supposedly has the face or the image of Jesus. This, th these two verses should clear that up for people and should help them understand that that's a hoax. And also to help us see that there is no error in the King James Bible. Every word of God is pure and there's some significance here. The Bible says, Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lie and the napkin that was about his head. There were two sets of grave clothes. There was one for the head and then there was one for the body. That's how the process was in that. And so there's no mistake. So the napkin was for the face and then the, the linen clothes were for the body. So this issue regarding the Shroud of Turin, it's not true. <laughs> it's not true. There were linen clothes on the body. So there goes the whole Jesus' face on the linen thing. All right, John chapter 20, verse number 8 then. Went in also the other disciple, which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and believed. What is Hebrews 11.1? 1? It's dealing with saving faith. It's the evidence, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's Hebrews 11.1. 1. What we have here in John chapter 20, verse 8, he saw and he believed that Christ's body was not in the tomb. That's what that's dealing with. That is what he believed. Verse number 9, For as yet they knew not the Scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Now, verse number 9, kids, Young ones, most importantly, pay attention to this. You know why we have you memorize Scripture? And you know why we put a big emphasis on Scripture memory? Because that's the only way you can know truth is by knowing Scripture. You have to know Scripture. That's the only way that you are going to gain knowledge of spiritual things. We learn spiritual things by learning the Bible. This is a spiritual book. And so that's why we want to saturate you with Bible verses. Not just stories, but the actual verses in the Bible. And it was a real blessing when the kids came and did their preaching and the, kid, and, and the boys and the girls did their memory verses they took a Sunday school lesson that they learned and the two boys got to preach on a lesson that they picked. And it's just great because just the innocence of children, they're in the Bible. They're in the Bible. That's how you're going to get knowledge of spiritual things. And we can't oversay that enough. Verse number nine, for as they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from 
the dead. Verse number 10, Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. Was their faith weak? Were their minds made up? Were they just in a state of shock? Either way, it was a short visit at the tomb, and they went home. <laughs> they went home. That's kind of a short, little bit of a sad verse. Verse number 11, on the other hand, but Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. Sorrowful weeping of Mary. Her faith was much stronger. But if it was complete faith, she would have been rejoicing, not weeping. Jesus Christ rose again. Now maybe you could say that they were tears of rejoicing, but it says that as she wept, she stooped down. Or she is, Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. Could say there were tears of rejoicing. But nonetheless, verse number 11, she was not alarmed by the presence or the speech of the angels because she was so full of sorrow about where they had taken her Lord. Nothing else really seemed to matter. Verse 12, and seeth two angels in white sitting the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Verse 13, And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. He rose from the dead. Nobody took him. She had more faith in the disciples, but she could have had a lot more faith in believing what Jesus said he was going to do. Verse 14, And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. None of them were expecting the resurrection. Oh, it happened. Oh, he rose from the dead. Oh, he did exactly what he said he was going to do, but none of them were fully anticipating and expecting or they wouldn't have come to the tomb in that matter. But there he is. Verse number 15, Jesus saith unto her, woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where they hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary, she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Let's get John chapter 10. Because Mary hears her master's voice. 
verse number 1 of John chapter 10, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. And you know what Mary hears? The voice of her master. She's looking right at him. But when she hears his voice, oh, that's my master. Have you heard the voice of Jesus Christ? He's calling everyone to himself. Uh, let's see. What else do we know? Jesus, verse number 16, he knows his sheep and he cares for his sheep. He knows and he cares for them. Uh, okay, verse number 17. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. Go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father. Says Jesus is the first fruits. And your Father, and to my God, and to your God. Why does Christ, why does Jesus call him God? Insofar as Philippians 2, let's get that. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Calls him God insofar as him making himself of no reputation and in, 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 in as a form of a servant. He humbles himself. He becomes a completely obedient to God the Father. This verse is not separating Christ from God and Jesus not being God by no means. Verse number 18. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Well, imagine that. The first person to go and tell people about the resurrection, about the gospel, was a woman. It'd be pretty hard to convince anybody that she was an independent Baptist preacher. <laughs> it was a woman. Ladies, Go tell somebody about Jesus. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. The first person to publicly go and tell someone that Jesus Christ rose from the dead was Mary Magdalene. Praise God. Then, the same day at evening, 
Being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, there it is again, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. They feared the Jews probably because they saw what they did to Jesus, and now they're probably wondering, are our necks on the chopping block next? Verse number 19 he says, peace, or oh, verse number 19. Here's cool. This is cool, boys. Uh, the doors are shut. It's not doors like this, guys. The doors are shut. All of a sudden, somebody's walking through walls. It's Jesus. And he's right in the midst of them. That's cool. That's cool. That's the resurrected Christ. And a resurrected body, it isn't going to be like regular bodies. So when we get our resurrected body, probably mark it down, we're going to be able to walk through stuff, man. That's going to be cool. Yeah. Um, Look at the end of the verse, though, something even more important. I know that's cool stuff, gentlemen, but came Jesus and stood in the midst. The more important question we have to make sure we're answering is, is Jesus standing in the midst? Is he in the midst of our church? Is he in the midst of our family? Is he in the midst of our personal Christian lives? Is Jesus in the midst? That might not be as cool as walking through doors and walls, but it's more important is Jesus in the midst. Doesn't matter how big or small the church is, is Jesus in the midst. Also, what do we see the cure for? What do they say um, in the middle of the verse? What does it say? We're assembled for fear of the Jews. What did they have? Fear. What's the cure for fear? Came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. The cure for fear is Jesus Christ. You shouldn't be afraid to open your mouth about Jesus. Now, you want to do it in a proper contextual way. You, want, you don't want to make yourself a public nuisance. You're a public witness. But with that disclosure out of the way, we shouldn't have any fear because Jesus Christ offers peace. And he said to them, peace be unto you. Uh, verse number 20, and when he had said so, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Two things on this verse. Previous wounds are going to remain in our resurrected body. They did in Jesus. Something to think about. And the second thing on this verse, it says the disciples were glad. We touched about this a little bit this morning. Our joy right now should come from being filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you glad about that? You should be. Am I glad about that? If not, I should be. That's where our joy comes from. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, here it is. 
Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. This is the resurrected Savior. And you know what he says? As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Go tell somebody about what happened. Go tell somebody about me. Go tell somebody about what I can do for them. It's great. Jesus is in the midst of the church. Then he says, go. Go out. Tell somebody. Verse number 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. We've got everything in place that needs to be in place for a New Testament church. Right here, they receive the Holy Ghost. They didn't have the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit prior, at least in an abiding, continual manner or in a sealing manner. Only 12 received it prior to Pentecost. The birth of the church started with these 12 when Jesus gave them the Holy Ghost. These are the only 12 that received it prior to Pentecost. And you can have very well New Testament church, right? Everything that needed to happen, happened. And now they've got the Holy Ghost. Um, verse number 23, Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them, and who... And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. Only these 12 were given that power. After they died, it was gone. Seems to be specifically for the Jews. If it went beyond that, that's how you end up in Roman Catholicism. You have to go to the priest to have your sins remitted. You've got to go through the independent Baptist preacher to figure out, or however all these things work, where you've got to go to a man to get your sins remitted. Um, it was a gift of the apostles, and these apostles were the foundation of the New Testament church. But that's a tough verse to get around if you're a Roman Catholic. Because you've got to go to the priest to get your sins remitted. You can't go right to Jesus Christ. Anyway, but Thomas, verse number 24, one of the twelve called Didymus was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord, but he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands... The print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. He isn't saying, fellas, I'm just not going to believe. He's saying, I've got to see to believe. I want to see something to believe it. And after eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. You figure, hasn't Thomas seen enough? But to him, it's not enough. He hasn't seen enough. People walk with Jesus, they see him do all these signs, all these miracles, all these wonders, everything. 
Yet he hasn't done enough yet. You haven't seen enough. That's where people are at. Then saith he to Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. Jesus tells them verse back in verse number 26, peace be unto you. And he says that three different times in John. You don't have to turn there. Uh, but if you want to write down the verses, it's John chapter 20, verse 19. We saw that. He says, peace be unto thee. That's what they needed. Because they're scared to death. Plus, Jesus just walks right through a wall. <laughs> and he tells them, peace. John chapter 20, verse 21. He commissions them to go out in the world. They're going to be a witness for him. Guess what they're going to need? Peace. <laughs> and then he says it in John chapter 20, verse 26. Again, Jesus walking through walls. They need to hear peace be unto thee. And so there are the three peace be unto these in John. John 20, verse 19. John 20, verse 21. John 20, verse 26. Thomas was the last to doubt Jesus with Jesus being there. And him being able to see a sign, something physical. That was the last person. Anyone after Thomas that doubts will not see anything. They have to believe by faith or not believe. That's Hebrews 11, verse number one. Verse number 29, Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Marks a new dawn of a new age. Faith, you're not seeing nothing. You're not. You're not going to walk with Jesus. It's going to be by faith. You're not going to see a miraculous sign. He's not going to come down and work a wonder or sign or wonder in your living room. You're either going to believe by faith or you're not going to believe by faith. But I have to see something. They seen it all. And they wouldn't believe when he's standing right there telling them, I'm going to rise from the dead. Why in the world are you bringing spices for my dead body? I'm not going to rot, fellas. I'm coming up from the grave, he arose. They seen it all. And they still wouldn't expect the resurrection. Every man and woman right now, you can show them every single miracle and they're going to do exactly what the Jews did and exactly what the disciples did. Some will love them and follow them, but they're going to be like, really, Lord? Really? They're going to fall asleep while he's in the garden and... Jesus, you, got, you fellows are asleep. It's just going to be the same thing. The same thing. We've got a risen Savior by faith. By faith. That's what he says. By faith. Believe. All right, a couple things to wrap up. Verse 30. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But 
These are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. I've got a big Bible that I carry in a briefcase. And it's got big letters so that I can see it and read it and not make too many reading errors. And I have to, if I hold it right about here, I can see everything just dandy. As long as I don't stay over the light too long, it don't start blurring. This is a big Bible. Now you can double the text and imagine how big that puppy will be. It's nothing compared to what could have been written. You can double it, you can triple it, you can quadruple it. People that don't want to believe by faith aren't going to believe by faith. It doesn't matter how many things you show them. It doesn't. What's in it? The size of this Bible is small compared to what it could contain. And the content in here is small compared to what it could contain. All right, to wrap up a few facts. Here's a list of those in John who are told to believe. John 1, 7 and 12, all men. John chapter 3, Nicodemus is told to believe. John 4, the woman at the well. John 5, the Jews. John 6, the disciples. John 7, his brethren. John 8, the Jews. John 9, the Jews again and the blind man. John 10, the Jews again. John 11, Martha. John 12, the chief rulers. John 14, Judas. John 16, the disciples. John 20, the disciples and Thomas. That's those in the book of John that are told to believe. Now, last thing and then I'm done. Here's the list in John of those who professed to believe. Ready? Nicodemus, the woman at the well, Martha, some chief rulers, the disciples, and Thomas. Tell everybody. Tell them all. Tell them all again. Don't expect to get better results than Jesus himself did. It's not about getting results. It's about telling everybody you come in contact with, I've got a risen Savior. If you've got something better, I'll trade you. But if you don't, I'm sticking with the risen Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow and pray. Thank you, Father God, for your holy word. Thank you for the book of John. Thank you for rising from the dead. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for our church. We pray we have peace and that you would be in the midst of us. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.